Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. It's time for TMA Extra Dose. You can follow along on Twitter, at Slam Radio XM. Now, TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, y'all, that's right, TMA Extra Dose. I'm Nick Hamilton, back in the seat for another week, and I have a whole lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Week two in the NFL is not kind to some players and teams. Also, AD had Kobe in his veins. Is it time for a new voice for that other L.A. basketball team? And your man, Deion Sanders, that's right, primetime, returns to the football field in a different type of capacity. All that and more coming up on this edition of TMA Extra Dose here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Now, week two in the NFL, yes, we have moved forward. There have been no positive COVID tests to report, which is great. But unfortunately, the injury bug continues to spread like wildfire. For the 49ers, Nick Bosa uh, tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Solomon Thomas, who also had a knee injury, is going to be out for the foreseeable future. And then quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, had a high ankle sprain. He's going to be listed as week to week. And then uh, Raheem Mostart, uh, who has a sprained MCL, is going to be out for two to four weeks. Now, that's going to, that, that, those injuries have decimated the San Francisco 49ers, the same 49er team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year. And everybody had very high expectations for the 49ers, especially in the NFC West, when you have Seattle and Los Angeles competing for playoff spots and trying to get the opportunity to win the NFC West, rather. But it's going to be extremely difficult now for the 49ers because even if Jimmy G does play, do you rest him next week? because you don't want him to re-injure something or make that injury worse with a high ankle sprain. As you well know, if, uh, or if you may not be familiar with it, high ankle sprains can be a week, sometimes can be two weeks, sometimes can turn into six weeks. We really don't know. It's always always up to the individual and how they're built. So it's going to be interesting to see how that 49ers team is going to be able to rally. They're already without guys like Richard Sherman and a few other players. And so when I look at this team, it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill climb to see how far they get when it comes to trying to get back to the NFC championship and ultimately back into the Super Bowl. I don't see it now. I think those injuries are gonna be too big and too severe for the 49ers. I think it opens up an opportunity for guys, or excuse me, for teams like the Seattle Seahawks, who played extremely well on Sunday night. And also the Los Angeles Rams do have an opportunity. And let's not count out the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray looked well. He continues to look better each and every week. So listen, Russell Wilson, Jr. Jr., what I like, what I like to call him, uh, Kyler Murray. You can't sleep on Kyler Murray. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not drunk. I am not here to sit up here and act like the Arizona Cardinals are going to shock the world and win the NFC West and go deep into the playoffs. No. Let's be clear about it. I'm not a prisoner of the moment, but I do give credit where it is due. And I think Kyler Murray has definitely earned that credit to be due to him because he's played extremely well and got his teammates involved who've also played extremely well. So listen, 
it's going to be a test of wills and a test of who's going to who's going to hold out the longest and be able to stay healthy the longest, whether it's due to COVID-19 or whether it's due to injury on the field. That's going to make the determination about who's going to who's going to win out in the in not only the NFC West, but the NFC. Speaking of the NFC, Saquon Barkley also tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the New York football Giants for the foreseeable future. Uh Listen, it's a, it's a huge blow. I like Saquon Barkley. I enjoy it. He's a hard runner. Uh, he's never had any serious injuries or issues with injury in his college years, so that's promising. You know, hopefully he can bounce back from this. It's going to take him a while, just like Nick Bosa. It's going to take any guy that has really dealt with a serious injury like an ACL or MCL, it takes time to bounce back. It takes time to get back, get their footing right, to feel comfortable again, just mentally. If you talk to any athlete, whether no matter what the sport is, if they've torn a major ligament or broke something, it takes them a while, not just physically, but mentally to come back. So it's going to be interesting to see how well Saquon Barkley responds to this bit of adversity in his life and his young career. And uh, let's see what he does. I think he's immensely talented. Hopefully he'll be able to make a full recovery, which I'm sure he will be. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the future holds for the New York football giants and his contract extension talks, because they could be put off by a year because him being out for the rest of this season, future remains to be seen. Speaking of which going into the, uh, the AFC West drew lock, the quarterback who I said on other shows that I, I had some hope in drew lock. I like to see what drew lock has. He showed some promise last season with the Denver Broncos and last several games. I was looking forward to drew lock. Now he had a sprained ACL joint. He's going to be out for two to six weeks. And also Cortland Sutton, uh, who has a knee injury, is going to be week to week. So we don't know how long uh, these guys are going to be out. Um, it, it, time will tell. The Carolina Panthers suffered a huge blow as well with Christian McCaffrey. Their, stop, their top-notch running back who has an uh, ankle injury is going to be out for several weeks. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Several weeks could be four, could be six weeks. That's a long time. Um, Christian McCaffrey, that's a big time loss for the Carolina Panthers, who are also going to be coming on Sunday out to Los Angeles to go up against the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium. So that's going to be a huge blow for Teddy Bridgewater and company. Um, they may be they may be owing, they may be owing three by the time next Sunday rolls around. By the time this show airs again, <laughs> they can be a donut and three. Imagine that. And they want to get rid of Cam. Mm. Also, the Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams has a hamstring injury. He's going to be listed as week to week, according to the reports. Malik Hooker uh, from the Indianapolis Colts has an Achilles tendon that could he could be out of the season. Now, this dude has had a history of injuries for the last couple of years. So this may be the last time you see Malik Hooker in the Indianapolis Colts uniform. Uh, on the Rams side of the ball, Joe Noteboom. Uh, had a calf injury. Uh, he's going to miss some time. We don't know exactly what that time is going to be. We spoke with uh, head coach Sean McVay yesterday after their win against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. He wasn't sure about the timetable. They were still uh, kind of running some tests and trying to figure that out. So hopefully uh, Joe Noboom doesn't miss any significant time because that's going to be a, a nice little hit to their offensive line, especially with the way that Jared Goff has been playing uh, as of late, even though the Rams are currently 2-0, but Jared Goff has been playing pretty, really well 
uh, in the last couple of games. So you got to give some credit to that O-line as well. Also, Cam Akers, who missed the entire second half due to a rib injury, um, his status is currently unknown. So hopefully he won't be missing any significant time because Cam Akers is, is to me, one of the most dynamic, versatile running backs as a rookie uh, that has come into that Rams locker room. So I think he that that three headed monster and, and at the running back position between Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers has been worked wonders and really took some pressure off of Jared Goff. And speaking of Malcolm Brown, he had a uh, dislocated finger, but he should be back in action for next week. I don't see that put him out of action uh, for too long. But on a, another serious note uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers, quarterback Tyrod Taylor, uh, who was scheduled to start against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, was scratched late. I mean, I mean, very late in the game to the point where we were almost near the coin toss of the game. I happened to be at SoFi Stadium on Sunday and we were we were shocked that Justin Herbert was getting the start. Nobody knew that Justin Herbert was getting the start that soon uh, until we saw him out on the field. Now, I was there early at SoFi. I saw Tyrod go out on the field, and then next thing I know, he's sitting down with two trainers, and we didn't know why. We just thought, well, hey, maybe he's talking to them about some whatever, whatever football-related incidents that may be going on. Lo and behold, we, we later find out that he had a severe chest injury and he had to be, be sent to the hospital. He was released uh, late Sunday night. And uh, when we had, when we spoke with Anthony Lynn about it, uh, he was just saying, look, if he is healthy enough to go, he'll be ready to go. He's still our starter. Uh, Justin Herbert had over 300 plus yards in his, in his rookie debut, scored the very first the very first touchdown as a Charger in SoFi Stadium history. So that's going to be a Jeopardy question one of these years. Who was the very first Charger to score a touchdown inside SoFi Stadium? And that was going to be Justin Herbert, not once, but twice. He had a rushing touchdown, and then he threw for another touchdown later on in the game. He made some critical mistakes. There was an, there was an instance where he had, uh, I think it was two yards until the first down. He ended up throwing it, trying to attempting to throw it to Keenan Allen, in double coverage, it was intercepted. That kind of changed the momentum a little bit because they could have been on a scoring drive. The Chargers could have been absolutely on a scoring drive. Uh, but I tell you what, this young man was poised. This young man was definitely ready for the challenge. He stood up when he got. We took a hit from Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. He got up, looked at him, dusted himself off, and got right back in the huddle. If that doesn't show how much heart that Justin Herbert has, I don't know what is. And, and like I said, for a rookie of his caliber to to be thrusted in a game like that, to not be taking a lot of reps that the previous week with the number ones. To me, I think he did a pretty I think he, I think he did a really good job, to be quite honest with you. I think there's some mistakes even he talked about that he would take back uh, if he had the opportunity to take them back. But again, hindsight always being 2020. But if you look at the promise of Justin Herbert, I think the more reps he takes, the more bumps and bruises he gets, the better he will be. It's the same way he did at Oregon. When he started as a freshman in Oregon, the, the best way this young man learns is to take his licks and his bumps and bruises and bounce back from it. He, he, he lives for adversity. He talked about adversity many times. He used the word adversity, I believe, 15 times in his press conference, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 14. But anyway, the point is the fact that he understands adversity and what it means and what it represents him, what it represents to him 
and how he does not let that define him. But what he does amidst adversity when it comes to, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to rising to challenges and overcoming those challenges is a testament to his character just as a human being and as a football player, a quarterback who can lead men. And a lot of his teammates spoke highly of him as well, even though they, they suffered an overtime loss thanks to uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs kicker. But my whole thing is this. Now that you've seen the sample size of work from Justin Herbert, we saw what happened with Tyrod Taylor last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, even though the Chargers won that game. Tyrod Taylor wasn't that impressive. And I like Tyrod Taylor. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good dude. Um, I think he's a good quarterback. But when you look at Justin Herbert and what he brings to the table, the youth, the energy, the heart, the poise, how can you not reward him even though they lost? But how can you not reward that if you're Anthony Lynn moving forward? This is the guy you drafted number six. You drafted a quarterback for a reason. So he showed you what he can do. He's only going to get better as he goes through each and every week of practice. He's only going to get better because he's going to have those reps with the number ones. He bounces back. He doesn't. He he learned. He, he has learned at a young age how to flush stuff down the toilet and keep moving forward. That's what he does. It's almost like a machine. It's amazing to me the the way that he goes about handling certain things. Okay, I wish I could uh, taken that throwback. But you know what? He got right back out there and started driving the charges back down the field the best way he knew how. And so when I look at those type of intangibles, if you're Anthony Lynn, there should be no question in the world, even though you may like Tyrod Taylor, you may be comfortable with him because he knows your offense. You guys develop a rapport. There's no reason why Justin Herbert should not be starting. And let me tell you something else about Justin Herbert. To me, Shane Sticken, who is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, and I'm not doubting him. I'm not saying that anything is wrong. But if you're going to continue to go with Justin Herbert, I think the, the intelligent thing to do is to have Pep Hamilton be the offensive coordinator moving forward. Because Pep Hamilton, who is currently the quarterback's coach, has developed an a, a, a incredible relationship from the moment that Justin Herbert was drafted to where they are right now. There's a story that Pep Hamilton and Justin Herbert had numerous amounts of phone calls obviously because of COVID and they couldn't be in in proximity with each other a, a lot uh during COVID but they were on the phone at one point till 1 a.m or 2 a.m in the morning just talking football just talking football to develop that type of rapport with a young man of his caliber and to be Pep Hamilton coming out of the XFL being a head coach in the XFL now being the quarterback's coach which I thought was an incredible decision by the Chargers organization by the way why would you not upgrade Pep Hamilton if it's going to key, be key to the development of your star of your, of your star quarterback and the future of your franchise? I think Pep Hamilton would be would work would work wonders when it comes to the development of Justin Herbert. So if you're Anthony Lynn, what's really the question? You can't be loyal to somebody who's not producing. Justin Herbert has proven that if you give him more time, he could produce dividends for you eventually. And Steve Spagnolo didn't have a lot of time to prepare for Justin Herbert. So if you're looking at it as a chess move, Anthony Lynn made an ultimate chess move because 
Spagnolo didn't have any time to prepare his defense against Justin Herbert. Not enough, not enough to make headwaves. And let me tell you something, Pat Mahomes was not the most impressive quarterback on the field yesterday. Excuse me, on, uh, on Sunday. Get my days confused, y'all. He was not the most impressive quarterback. The only reason why they won that, that, that won that game was thanks to the kicker. The kicker won the game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes was flustered. That Chargers defense, hats off to them. They flustered him. They made sure they got him in and out of the, the, the pocket. They made they made him uh, they made him mad, which I saw on the sidelines. Maybe some of you saw it on television. And that's exactly what you have to do to Pat Mahomes. If you're going to try to contain Pat Mahomes, you got to rack him up, knock him down, frustrate him, take things away from him that are within his reach and his grasp. Because if you don't, he's gonna he's gonna let it fly. And we saw some some flashes between him and Tyreek Hill that got them back in the ball game. And speaking of flashes, I don't know what the hell the New England Patriots were thinking on that last drive as, as Cam was trying to drive and, and score the winning touchdown. Why in the world, if you're at on the road in Seattle, the defense was ready, goal line defense, Pete Carroll calls Bobby Wagner back, whispers something in his ear. I, apparently, Pete Carroll saw something that was going to happen. I mean, hell, Stevie Wonder saw what was going to happen. You knew the ball was going to go to Cam Newton. Why would you not draw up a play or at least a rollout or a fake to act like Cam was going to get the ball to score and then dump it off somewhere? Julian Edelman, another tight end, whoever. Why would you let Cam run the ball and, and thinking that Seattle wouldn't have the common sense enough or the good football sense enough to try to stop him? Come on. Bill Belichick, do better. Coordinators on the, on the squad, do better. It, that that game could have could have been won by the New England Patriots. Seattle dodged a bullet. Good luck. We'll see what happens moving forward. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into some NBA playoffs. We'll get into the Los Angeles Lakers and their heroic efforts led by Anthony Davis. All that and more here on TMA Extra Dose, right here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everyone. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Rich Please, is just a really, oh, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. 
texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because everything that I say is, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? Can LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? Probably good, but why Probably. would he do it? Probably, but why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Now back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA Extra Dose. I'm Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the week. Now, NBA playoffs, I know the NFL, is. we've all consumed the NFL. We're glad it's back, but... Damn it, the NBA playoffs are making a statement, too, and a very strong one. The Los Angeles Lakers, who we thought were going to be facing the Los Angeles Clippers, but unfortunately the Clippers felt like, you know what, our time in the bubble is up. We're just going to go home, let the Denver Nuggets take it, and Denver Nuggets took care of business, made their way to the Western Conference Finals. But it has not been an easy Western Conference Finals, and yes, this is not the same L.A. team that you've been accustomed to because these are the Lakers. The Lakers have been, been definitely been impressive. In the last series against the Houston Rockets, against James Harden and Russell Westbrook and company, their defensive rotations have definitely been imp- impressive and have improved. I have to give some credit to Frank Vogel and his uh, his sets. But at the same time, you give a lot of credit to guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, but also to uh, the rest of the players. You know, you look at Dwight Howard, you look at uh, Rajon Rondo, you look at, uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma. These guys have definitely continued to play like a unit. It seems like with every game that goes on, these guys become stronger and tighter with one another. They're starting to play more of like a cohesive unit. They're starting to find their strides. And we already know what LeBron James is going to do. We already know what Anthony Davis is going to do. But damn it, apparently somebody didn't tell the Denver Nuggets in game two on Sunday because even though the Lakers had the game, they let the game slip away from them. And no, you cannot blame the referees because it should not come down to the refs deciding the outcome of a game, especially when the Lakers had the advantage when it came into game two after they did the, they handled business in game one. And throughout the game in game two, they had the advantage. They had the game one, and they, let it, they started to let it slip away. And it came down to a very last-second shot by the one and only 
Anthony Davis, who knocked down a game-winning three that gave the Lakers not only game two, a game two win, but a one-point win at that from three. And as Anthony Davis ran down the court, he yelled out, Kobe. And this is why I said AD had Kobe in his veins, because that's exactly what the late, great Kobe Bryant has done. And so many times we've watched Laker games and other highlights that involve Kobe. Kobe always had the last second, the last minute heroics, and that's exactly what Anthony Davis was. Let's take a listen to what Anthony Davis and LeBron James had to say about his shot and about the Lakers franchise. When I left, um, you know, I just want to be—I just want you know be able to compete for a championship. Um, and, and I know that you know moments like this comes with it, uh, especially being in LA, uh, the biggest market in, in basketball. Special moment for me, special moment for the team um, to do something like that, you know, and. And the jersey we wore tonight, um, you know, it just makes it even more special. AD, he know how special he is. And when he don't, I'll be the first one to tell him how special he is. What other people think, don't, it doesn't really matter. But if they got into the ring or they got into the arena, um, probably 10 times out of 10, it depends. Yeah, I agree with LeBron James. A lot of people would crap their pants. I would say 11 out of 11. Because who had the balls enough to take that shot? Anthony Davis did, and this is exactly why when you look at what is going on with the Lakers, they continue to impress. I was asked early on on another station. I, I was on a, as a guest on the Denver radio station uh, before the series got started, and they asked me how many games would it take for the Lakers to win that series, and I was nice. I said Lakers in six, but the way it's looking, it might be Lakers in five or it might be a sweep. Now, I think, I think the Denver Nuggets are a talented bunch. I like Jamal Murray. I like uh, uh, Jokic. I think they have a really good combo. They play an old-school style of basketball that I think, you know, complements them and how they in their style of play. So I think you know, Jokic is going to get his, hands down. He almost had a double-double on Sunday uh, in that loss against the Denver Nuggets. And I'm telling you, that was a gut-wrenching loss. If you're the Denver Nuggets – I don't know how you bounce back from that, but you're going to have to because you're going to have to get ready for game three tonight, uh, Tuesday night, game three. Uh, the Nuggets are, quote, the home team, whatever that means in this AAU tournament we call the playoffs in the bubble. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. And also what was interesting to me is that the Miami Heat, who seem to be running away with the series uh, when the first two games, Jimmy Butler, Ben Adubato, Dragic, there were a lot of moving parts that, that the Boston Celtics could not simply handle. But lo and behold, game three, the Boston Celtics said, you know what? We're not going out like that. We're not going out with a sweep. And I've seen the Boston Celtics fight time and time again. So that's why I was hesitant to call a, a true winner in this series because this series could easily go seven. I know a lot of people were hyped up and they were saying, oh, you know what? Uh, I think that I think Miami Heat gonna beat them in five. I heard a lot of Heat fans say we're gonna sweep. I heard a lot of Heat fans say, "Oh, we'll beat them in five games." I don't think it's going seven. Oh, you're crazy. Okay. Well, guess what? The Celtics beat them by eleven. And listen, the Celtics played extremely well in Game Three. I don't know what kind of pep uh, pep talk, excuse me, that Brad Stevens gave them, but it must have worked. I don't know if he offered them a bonus. I don't know if he offered them free food, maybe some extravagant food in the bubble. I don't know what he offered them, but whatever he said to them, it absolutely worked. 
I mean, Jason Tatum was absolutely sensational. He finished with 25 points in his 41 minutes of play. He had 14 rebounds. Uh, you look at <clears throat> Marcus Smart, the same Marcus Smart that was going off on everybody after the game two lost. Maybe that has something to do with it. He, he finished with 20 points. Uh, but they had five Miami Heat players that finished in double figures, but it didn't. apparently it didn't matter. So I don't know. Miami Heat, I don't have any serious concerns about the Miami Heat bouncing back. I'm more concerned about the Celtics trying to capitalize off the one win and trying to turn it into two wins and get really get back into this series. Because let me tell you something. If you're down 3-1, I don't see the Miami Heat blowing a 3-1 lead if they if they go up 3-1 in this series. Like another team we know that blew a 3-1 lead, and that is the Los Angeles Clippers. Los Angeles Clippers only had one game. Now, if I told you you had one shot, and that one shot could get you 25,000 if you hit one shot from the free throw line. If I told you get 100 grand for hitting one three pointer, or if I told you, you got 250 grand from hitting one half court shot, I'm sure you would probably you would take you would take your odds, right? A lot of us would. You bet on yourself. I would probably hit the free throw line cuz I haven't played ball in a minute. So I know I can at least hit a hit a shot from 15 feet out. I go the easy route. Some of you may be more challenging. You may want to take the three-pointer or you may want to take the half-court shot. I get it. Increase your eyes, increase the chances, more money, you know, more problems, as they say. You had one game to win, and you were the better team on the floor, and you couldn't even get that done. And it's not the first time the Los Angeles Clippers, under Doc Rivers' coaching, has has blown a 3-1 lead. Remember back in 2015 when they blew a 3-1 lead against the Houston Rockets? Deja vu all over again, as they say, because this time you had Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You had Montrez Harrell, who's the sixth man of the year. You had another sixth man of the year candidate in Lou Williams from last season, who's also a candidate this season. You had Marcus Morris. Hell, you even brought in Joakim Noah. And I'm questioning, why did you? Why the hell did you bring in Joakim Noah? You weren't, you weren't going to even use him. You had Reggie Jackson. You had a lot of players. You, you were about nine to ten deep to take care of this Nuggets franchise. Let Jokic score. He's going to score. He's going to get his points. That's fine. You put pressure on the other four players who are on the floor, and you couldn't do that. Game seven, you cracked the bed. You did an Odell Beckham. You cracked the bed. So now, there's and then we come out with reports that there was some dissension going on. There was a report that Paul George had a post-game uh, meeting with some of the players that were met with eye rolls and smirks and like, yeah, right, buddy, whatever. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see a sense of urgency. I didn't see enough players being pissed off. I think the only player that we noticed that was really extremely pissed off was Lou Williams because he said so. And you saw it. If you we were in that in that Zoom conference post game, you saw how pissed off he was and rightfully so. But when it came to Paul George, and it's not a knock on Paul George, because I like Paul George as a player and as a person. But when you say this is not a championship or bust season, what championship mindset is that? Have you ever heard Kobe Bryant come out even during the dark years? And I'm saying, you know, post Shaq before uh, Paul Gasol and those guys got together to go on that next championship run. Did you ever hear Kobe say this is not a championship or bust season? Did you ever hear any? Star athlete LeBron James or Allen Iverson or anybody or Kevin Garnett. No, they, they would never utter such words out of their mouth. That is blasphemous to say such 
such terminology if you consider yourself a champion or a championship as player. Where is the sense of urgency? And the excuse was, oh, we didn't have enough time. We, we haven't been able to jail like the Denver Nuggets. You guys are professional superstars. This is why you came to Los Angeles to get over the hump. The L.A. Clippers have not even sniffed the draws of the Western Conference Finals ever in their career, in their history of being the L.A. Clippers. And you had a golden opportunity to help get this team. You were one game away and couldn't close the deal. And I'm saying you're going to bring, yes, there's some blame to go around equally. But I also have to look at the person that's in a leadership position, and that's head coach Doc Rivers. And I like Doc Rivers. I like him as a man. I like him as a coach. I think he has some really profound things to say during this bubble, especially about the, the, the current status and climate of what's going on in our country today and the importance of voting and, and, and things being uh, speaking on racism and equality. I totally agree with him on, those, on a lot of those points. But we're talking strictly about basketball here. And I do think it's a, I know he, the, the reports have come out that he's going to come back for another year. But I do think it's time for a new voice in Los Angeles when it comes to the Clippers. I think Doc Rivers, who has a, who is an incredible basketball mind, knows how to coach. But I think it may be time for a new voice. And that new voice could be anybody. I said the new voice should be Mark Jackson. I think Mark Jackson knows an incredible amount of basketball. You hear it every week when he, when he uh, calls a game with, with uh, Mike Breen and, and Jeff Van Gundy. I think he's itching to get back on the sidelines. The man deserves a second chance. Whatever happened up in Golden State and behind the scenes, the man should be paying the rest of his life for. I think he deserves a second chance. I think he deserves an opportunity to show that he can still coach. I mean, look what he's done in Golden State, how he got that team to a certain level before Steve Kerr took it to another level. Um, but those that foundation was all Mark Jackson. And maybe this Clipper team needs a Mark Jackson type of presence in the locker room. Because when you look at Doc Rivers' staff, I think he has an incredible coaching staff. I like Sam Cassell. I like Tyron Lue. But those two guys could be on their own destination. Sam Cassell could be the next Houston Rockets coach. Ty Lue could take the Indiana or the Philadelphia 76ers job. We don't know. But they're definitely head coaching material. And if they do leave now, who do you get to, to replace those, those great basketball minds? And I think if you're Doc Rivers, you've been given enough time to turn this team around. I don't think one more year is going to, unless you're going to the NBA finals, I don't think that's going to tell the tale. I think Doc is who, exactly who he is. I think those players are going to respond to Doc exactly how they responded to Doc in years prior, except for Kawhi PG, who are the newest members of this team. Obviously, Marcus Morris, but I'm saying as far as superstars and stars go, those are the two newest additions that the, the Clippers were banking on. They paid a lot of money. They sacrificed a lot of draft picks to get those two to play together. And this is what you come up with, the same results, the second round of the playoffs. You can't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. Next year, you think the pressure has mounted for this season? What do you think the pressure is going to be next year? When it's going to have to be NBA Finals, at least, if you don't win. The only way Doc Rivers keeps his job is if he goes to the NBA Finals and they compete to a sixth or seventh game. Because if you're Steve Ballmer... How in the world are you going to convince Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to stay? And then you're breaking ground 
in some in the summer of 2021 on a brand new billion dollar arena and complex in Inglewood, right across the street from SoFi Stadium, which is the entertainment and sports mecca. How are you going to be able to sell that? How are you going to be able to sell Kawhi and PG to stay and acquire other free agents to join them? Because you know players talk. Other executives talk. So how are you going to do that? That's the bigger question here. So bringing back Doc Rivers for another year is going to do exactly what? What is that going to do? Is that going to get you to the NBA Finals? I'm not, I'm not saying it won't. But if I'm a betting man, am I going to bet all my chips on the table towards them making the NBA Finals? No. And again, I like the team. I, I, I cover the team like I do the Lakers. But if I'm looking at it strictly from a basketball perspective, I think they need a new voice. They absolutely need a new voice. But we'll see what happens next season. And Clipper fans, and I, I got on Clipper Darrell. I got on Clipper Darrell about it. I've been clowning him all week. I finally got a chance to talk to him on, on Saturday on the weekend. And I said, you know what? I'm here for you. I'm here for the Clipper fans. You guys want to talk. I'm here for you. I just simply ask you, how does it feel? Are y'all still on that narcotic for next season? I just want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. All right, we're going to take our final time out for the show before we come back. But make sure you stay tuned because we're going to get into, in case you guys did not witness or watch the 60 Minutes interview with LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. I, I thought it was an incredible interview. I thought it was very interesting. I'll get into some reasons why I agree and totally disagree with Ed Orgeron. And also we'll talk about uh, Maria Taylor and why she's been attacked so much. The ESPN anchor who does a fantastic job. We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA Extra Dose here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I adopted Bento in 2010 from a shelter. This cat makes me make art. He's always motivating me to draw pictures of him. He just is motivating artistically. He's my best friend, but a lot of people know him as Keyboard Cat. Keyboard Cat, YouTube star and shelter pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Start yours today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, he's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, 
I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like, well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... Forward. It sounds like two, 250 words explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning. Amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Now back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back from the break. You're back here with TMA Extra Dose. I'm Nick Hamilton. Here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. And uh, I'm going to give you my three cents. That's right. My segment of the show where I give my three cents on whatever's going on in the world of sports, pop culture, entertainment, politics, whatever it is. I am going to talk about it. Now, you guys all know I like to run my mouth. So I'm going to run my mouth about this. ESPN anchor and host Maria Taylor was recently ousted when it came down to the NBA voting of most valuable player. Now, we all know Giannis uh, won the MVP voting from the Milwaukee Bucks, but there was a lot of controversy. We heard LeBron James talk about earlier uh, last week, or late last week, rather. He talked about his disappointment only getting 16 votes out of 101 when it came to first-place votes. Now, to me, I think Giannis won the MVP because it was based upon from the beginning of the regular season up until March 11th when COVID uh, arrived upon us and shut the entire NBA down. So it had nothing to do with what happened in the bubble for the, the last eight games in the bubble, including the playoffs. Everything was from March 11th all the way back into the beginning of the 2019-2020 season. Now, I will say LeBron James did come on a little stronger in the second half post-All-Star break, but Giannis was the most complete and most consistent MVP player 
And that's why I believe he deserved to get the first place vote. Now, should, have, should LeBron have gotten more first place votes than 16? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's about the media who votes, the players, and everybody else. And so Harrison Fagan, who is a reporter who covers the Lakers, who does a good job covering the Lakers. I like Harrison Fagan. Had a chance to kind of rap with him a little bit uh, on Twitter about a couple of things. He sent out a report that said, hey, Maria Taylor was the one that didn't vote first place for LeBron James. Ousted her. Of course, Laker fans started storming her, started trolling her. You know, oh, we're going to we're going to, you know, block Maria Taylor. Oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. So, of course, you're going to get that from fans because fans are what? Short for fanatics, right? All y'all out there will ride and die with your teams. If somebody goes against your team, whether it's me or whether it's anybody else that may be listening, you guys are going to criticize. You guys are going to troll us. You guys are going to do whatever you can to get our attention, to let us know how you truly feel, which is fine. I don't care. I get I get trolled by fans sometimes, too. It's fine. I have fun with y'all. It doesn't bother me one bit. But. When another colleague comes and tries to disrespect you, tries to demean you, and say some of the most asinine things that could be said, that's where the problem lies. So Fox Sports Radio host Doug Gottlieb decided to say and tweet out, why does Maria Taylor even get a vote? What does she know? And I'm paraphrasing it. So as classy, as intelligent, as bright, as Maria Taylor is, the clapback game, hats off to Maria Taylor for the clapback game. Maria Taylor said, because I covered the sport, because I played the sport, that's why I get a vote. Drop the mic. That's the best way Maria Taylor can handle it. Because if you're dealing with an idiot like Doug Gottlieb, who said a lot of asinine things in his career, which I still can't understand why this dude still has a job to be talking sports the way that he talks sports. He was out of line, and the things that he said were very inappropriate. I'm so happy that Maria Taylor stood up for herself, said what she needed to say, and kept going. Didn't even look back and give it a second blink. She does a phenomenal job on ESPN. My hat's off to ESPN for making her the host of the NBA uh, uh, television show uh, that they have on their network. I think she does a fantastic job with college football. I've seen her as a sideline reporter. You just see the growth in Maria Taylor. So my hat's off to her. I could, I hope she continues to, to elevate. I mean, she's had a pretty rough several weeks, uh, especially with that idiotic uh, Chicago radio host that, just, that talked about her articles of clothing, uh, made some reference to her looking like a dominatrix person or something just out of bounds and totally ridiculous, which was totally disrespectful. And this is why I even tweeted out. I said, you see how they look at our women. You see how they disrespect our women and tried to demean them. Uh, it doesn't matter what she was wearing. What she was wearing was totally fine. It doesn't, as long as the information that's being disseminated out of her mouth is accurate and correct, and she and she's and she's looking apart, she's talking to talk, walking to walk. That's all that care. That's all that should matter. Okay, this woman knows her stuff. She speaks with intelligence. She 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 speaks with conviction and confidence, and she knows how to disseminate the information as best as anyone out there in the business. So I'm so happy, Maria Taylor is doing what she's doing. I hope she continues to elevate and I hope she continues to do even a, a more of an exceptional job on various platforms throughout ESPN because they definitely need her. And speaking of being needed, 
Uh, are we going to have college football? Are we for real? Or is it going to be Fugazi? Because I know there's some there's some conferences that are gearing up for the college football season, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12. And now we're hearing about the Big 10 trying to get back into the fold with the Pac-10, give me the Pac-12 rather, join them uh, in, in, in having football. Now, I know a lot of teams and conferences have until, I believe, October 10th to at least have a schedule or a plan in place when they're going to begin play for the season or they will not be eligible for a bowl game or the college football playoff. I look at this as I, I don't know if how many of you got a chance to watch the 60 minutes interview with LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. I remember Ed Orgeron by living here in Los Angeles when USC was going through their trials and tribulations uh, when it came to the modern day death penalty they received uh, with the sanctions from the NCAA uh, after the departure of Pete Carroll. And they were trying to find their identity and trying to find their next big time coach After they went through Lane Kiffin and so many others that did not work out the way that they thought it would work out. Uh, they end up going with Ed Orgeron. And I remember watching Ed Orgeron coach those guys like the Dury Jackson, who was now in the NFL and so many other players that were at that were at USC at that time. And they absolutely adored Ed Orgeron. They respected him. They listened to him. He was a really a player's uh, coach you don't find too many guys like him uh that are about not just winning but are also about the kids and so when you looked at what usc was going through and what they were doing ed orgeron had them accelerating to a point where you said okay maybe usc is on the verge of coming back now maybe they, they're on the verge of becoming that powerhouse we once saw during the Pete carroll era and so many eras before Pete carroll during usc's tenure so Maybe you had hope. You had a glimmer of hope here in Los Angeles. You had a glimmer of hope that guys would sit there and be able to, you know, get back to where they once were, despite the sanctions, despite what they had to deal with, scholarships and whatnot. And then USC happened to tell him, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Even though the kids loved him, the fans loved him, the coaching staff loved him. But the people in upper echelons did not like him. He was not a, quote, country club type of guy. Ed Orgeron has a southern draw. He's Cajun. He has that raspy voice. You love hearing him talk. You can I, I can listen to Ed Orgeron talk football all day. I love his intensity. I love his energy. In 60 Minutes, we really did a great expose on his life and, and where he is right now. Obviously, he's, he, is, he has won. He has taken LSU to the highest height it can go winning the national championship last season with quarterback Joe Burrow, who was, who was the number one pick in the NFL, who is now playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And even though he came out with a report, I believe it was about a week or two ago, and they came out with the, with the report that Ed Orgeron said that majority of his players had contacted COVID at some point, but everybody is fortunately okay. But the one part I had a problem with Ed Orgeron, which I've always had a problem with other college coaches, was the whole student athletes, quote unquote, making money when everybody else around them makes money. Take a listen at this clip and listen to what Ed Orgeron has to say about student athletes getting paid. Some powerhouse football programs make in excess of $100 million in annual revenue, mostly from giant television rights contracts. The incentive for schools to salvage this season and play through the pandemic, it's clear. 
The incentive for players is less clear. These players are unpaid, they're young, they don't have a union, they're bear-hugging the other guy. You think you're asking too much of them? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I don't think so. And look, let me tell you something about that unpaid stuff and everything. When you sign, you get, just like I did, you get an opportunity in life. A lot of money coming into this program, but these kids are getting an opportunity. They go into education, they go network. A lot of our guys are going, going into the NFL and making a lot of money. But that's, the, that's just the steps that they got to take. So, opportunity, huh? Okay, let me, let me say this about Ed Orgeron. Again, I like Ed Orgeron. I like his coaching style. I, I'm glad he got an opportunity to be a head coach and win national title. Lord knows he's battled through the trenches and fought his way up to the top. So I, I don't begrudge him of that. Here's my problem with him and the mentality of coaches like him. Everybody else gets paid but you. Everybody gets paid because of you. And I mean you, meaning the college athlete, the star college athlete, the, the, the ESPN 150 top-notch four- to five-star recruit athlete, right? So why is it why is it, why is it an opportunity and getting, quote, a good education, like that means something these days, when you're making millions, if not billions, off of the backs and the blood, sweat, and tears of these athletes? Ed Orgeron should know better. Ed Orgeron, along with several other college coaches, should realize this is a new century. This is a new age. This is a new decade. It's time for college athletes to start making money, not only off their likenesses, but off, uh, of, off of their – it's about time that college athletes start making money, not just off their likeness, but making money off of whatever is get, getting sold with their names or their numbers attached to them. We all know – yeah, you, we come to we, we come to watch college football because of the coaches, but you also come to, come to watch college football because of certain players, especially NFL prospects. So if those players are making the money like the Joe Burrows of the world, like the Trevor Lawrence's, like the Amon Ross St. Browns and so and countless other, uh, you know, possible NFL recruits on Saturdays that we watch week in and week out, then why shouldn't they be compensated? Why is everybody else from the chancellors, the presidents, the commissioners, the the head coaches, the coaching staff, they're getting shoe deals. They're getting everything under the sun off the backs and the blood and the sweat and the tears of these players. And it's a problem because we only want them to give them an opportunity. How about we give you an opportunity not to get paid? How about we give college coaches an opportunity not to get paid for the tenure of that, that they're supposed to be on the sidelines? Let's see how well they coach then. Let's see how much heart in education they get by coaching college athletes. Let Level the playing field. If the college athlete can't get paid, then nobody gets paid. The coaches don't get paid. The coaching staffs don't get paid. Nobody gets paid. How about that? Maybe, maybe that maybe that'd be a change. Maybe people will come to realize that something needs to happen. Because I will never agree with that. I don't care how much money you're being made. I don't care how much opportunity is out there. It's not enough opportunity to put your life and your, and your body at risk, especially now during COVID-19. They absolutely need to be paid. If the coaches are paid, the athletes need to be paid. It's the biggest pimp game going on in the NCAA. And it continues to go on. These guys don't have a union. These guys don't have any, any type of representation that can that can go to bat for them. 
that needs to change. And until these college coaches start realizing that and start getting behind these players, not just coaching them, but getting behind them for their for their their well-being. Nothing's going to ever change. And that's the sad part. College coaches come sometimes come a dime a dozen. And sometimes NFL players, Hall of Famers, also come a dime a dozen. But one particular NFL Hall of Famer who was a, probably one of the best two sport athletes we've seen, at least I've seen in my lifetime and in, in, in his heyday, in his prime, no pun intended, was Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was an excellent baseball player. He was an absolutely outstanding football player, which is why he belongs in the Hall of Fame. To me, he's the best. He was the best at his position. And until I see otherwise, he will always be the best at his position in football. However, he has decided to take his talents, his intelligence, his football mindset, and go to an HBCU known as Jackson State University. He was uh, official. Deion Sanders was officially introduced as the brand new head coach of the of Jackson State University, a historic black college and university. And he's going to be the head football coach on the sidelines. You can call him Coach Prime. So Coach Prime is going to be on the sidelines. Now, you kind of understand why he walked away from the NFL network the way he did. And you kind of understand why he's doing certain things in different directions, because it makes sense. You don't have time to be on the NFL network when you got to recruit when you got to come up with plays. You got to come up with coordinators and talk to players throughout the week, making sure their grades are right, making sure they're they're on they're at practice on time and things of that nature. So, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see how can Coach Prime get some top notch recruits to an HBCU. There's been a lot of talk about maybe. You know, some athletes, especially black athletes and other athletes of color, may be able to get a better benefit by going to an HBCU instead of one of these D1 schools. But as I've said before, I think it's a it's an excellent opportunity to, that opens up the door and opens up the conversation for that to happen. But unless you have the proper funds and the proper money to compete with some of these D1 schools, you're always going to miss out on a lot of the D1 talent because they're looking at the practice facilities, they're looking at the opportunity of being on television every week and being scouted by NFL scouts on a week-in and week-out basis. So unless, you know, Jackson State University gets an enormous amount of money over the course of time, and maybe Deion Sanders can help bring that money in. That's one of the responsibilities of coaches to deal with the alum and try to acquire more financial opportunities for the university. And if anybody can do it, it's definitely Deion Sanders with his influence as well as being able to connect with younger players as we've seen him do throughout the NFL while he was on the NFL Network and even on his social media handles. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. But congratulations to Deion Sanders, and uh, a.k.a. Coach Prime. Congratulations to the Jackson State University. Good luck this season, guys, because you're going to need it. And I look forward to seeing them on television at some point during the tenure of Coach Prime. All right, everybody, that'll do it for our show, TMA Extra Dose. I can thank everybody for checking us out. And listening, if you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you hit us up on all streaming platforms, but also make sure you follow me on all social media networks at Nick Hamilton LA. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, I'll be on Twitch very soon as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to thank my great producer, Gerald Torres. I'd like to thank Slam Radio and Sirius XM 145. Thank you all so much. Talk to you guys next week. Please be safe out there and uh, make better decisions. Don't blow leads. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, 
and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.